podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. We are backed by Ladbrokes. Go to bet.chelseapodcast.net for exclusive specials and promotions that we have got you. Hello, everyone. We've got to really, really hurry up because Andy's in a rush and Andy needs us to get going really quickly. Don't we have to go quite quickly, Andy? Just get on with it. For well, I am sake. getting on. Where are you going? Why are we in I've such a rush? I've got things to do, people to see. What? what? Andy what? likes what? doing things nice and quick. Ducking and diving and bobbing <laughs> and weaving. Ducking and diving, <laughs> bobbing and wheezing. Wheezing? Bob- mm. Bobbing and wheezing, that's probably true. Anyway, here we are. We do have Mr. Mr. I'm in a hurry, Saunders, and we've got the man who likes to stand for his podcast. It's Mr. Garibaldi Hayes. Why are you standing up, making us all uncomfortable? Power position. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? Actually, it is quite unnerving. If you can imagine a sort of largish fellow with sort of a tumultuous beard sort of peering over the top of us, it's quite unnerving with slick back hair. And you haven't slept for three and a half days, have you? Three and a half weeks. Three and a half weeks? Mm. Are you hallucinating? Yes. You, you look like Kerry and you look like Andy. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't understand what he That's did there, he pointed, you look like Kerry, to Andy, and then he pointed to me and said, I look like Andy. So that was just a visual gag. That Spooky didn't quite stuff work. is happening at the moment as well. Like earlier, I was texting Kerry and I said, Do you really want to meet at half four? Just as he texted me saying, See you at half four. Yes, there you go. So I don't know what it all means. But anyway, I, I understand you're having lots of treatment and the suppositories are working. They did. Yeah, they were excellent. <laughs> I want more. Volterol suppositories for your bad back. Mm, they, they are. I would recommend them to anyone, even if you're not in pain. yeah now we're going down a different path anyway let's go back a week or so well no how long do we have to go four days Mm. to the last game what are we going to talk about about the welsh valleys the welsh valleys the swansea game now I actually thought, well, why don't we do You're the Welsh. Team? I am Welsh. Yeah. From Are Swansea. You? The family's all from Swansea. Yeah, well, via Russia. Well, Swansea, the family's all from Swansea via Russia and Liverpool. Yeah. So That's quite worrying. Yeah, it is. Don't, don't very worry. Very red. I'm, sorry? You're very red. But here I am as a blue. <laughs> Two reds make a blue. You should be purple. I should, it should be, yeah, okay. He's yeah, quite okay. purple. He's <laughs> got a purple nose. It's yeah, like being in I'm Manchester for too long. I don't have a purple nose, so I, yeah, I think you're casting veiny. nasturtiums here. Um, yeah, so Swansea, it was, um, well, an interesting old lineup, wasn't it? Should we do the team? Yeah. So we had Courtois in goal, a back three of uh, Azpilicueta, Cahill and Rudiger. Five in midfield uh, with Moses and Emerson uh, at full back with three of Fabregas, Kante and Bakayoko and two up front in Hazard and Giroud keeping his place over Morata. I, I think it's interesting. I mean, for me... the three, four, three five two. what did you think of that? I think when we don't play it every week, it works. Mm. I think once it becomes the norm, it doesn't quite work. But I thought it, it allowed certain things to happen. It allowed Giroud to sort of, you know, be a focal point. He's itching to say He's something. No, no, no. Just, when he <laughs> said Giroud, I was like, yes, we need to talk about Giroud. Because I think that's why it worked. Yeah, Because right. when it worked at the start of the season, was you saw Morata, you know, go back to that uh, Atletico game. He was incredible. And then he went through his, you know, he played with injuries he's been talking about and there's not the trust in Batshuayi and he can't play that you know, position with Hazard or another you know, number 10 equivalent off him because he can't hold the ball up. And you see Giroud, the way he did that, 
And I think Bakayoko had a better game because of Giroud and that team. And I just think the guy's been incredible since we signed him in January and you saw that on, on Saturday. No, I don't think there's any, any doubt about that. I think he's been a brilliant signing. Um, whether he's the future and the long-term you know solution I don't know but he's certainly been a brilliant impact signing and you know you can't fault his effort and his commitment and you know he's become a, a cult hero in a very short space of time just I think for the effort and the commitment and the passion that he brings to the team you know uh, it's funny isn't it when people come from Arsenal to Chelsea you die you, you kind of go oh I really can't stand him but now I could really love him if he was really good for us I mean you look at Ashley Cole you know I better. can't even I can't even imagine Ashley Cole as an Arsenal player does Ashley Cole follow you on Twitter uh, no, but he follows you, doesn't he? <laughs> Which was apparently an accident. No, Ashley Kelsey follows me on Twitter, as does Emmanuel Adebayor, or he did for about a day, and then I think he realised that it wasn't me, and then he unfollowed me. You weren't, and, you weren't the Andy Saunders. Natasha Beddingfield, she follows me on Twitter. What about Daniel? Uh, SCN, he follows me on Twitter. Yeah, but what does any of this mean? It means I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tastemaker. <laughs> I'm a go-to guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Well, moving back to the football, uh, rather than this strange ego rant that just happened. <laughs> <laughs> could, could, I, could I just say about Giroud, just, just on that? Well, he follows you on Twitter. <laughs> oh, if only. Um, I'd, be D- I'd be DMing him all sorts of pics, and it wouldn't involve suppositories. Um <laughs> Uh, what, what I was going to say is that I've been thinking about it a lot. Just what do you do for your beard, yeah. Olivier? <laughs> well, do you have this oil? <laughs> I've got, I've got special oil for you, Giroud. Actually, you are going greyer and greyer, aren't you? You are going quite yeah. grey. Like, I, yeah. I think it's the not sleeping. It's not <laughs> and dealing with you now on a regular basis as I'm your boss. <laughs> technically, no. Well, technically, yes. In that he commissions yep. you and pays your salary. That's that's boss like. I've, I've always been hard. Find it hard to deal with technicalities. <laughs> um, but I, I've been. I was, I tweeted after the Southampton game that I was like I was trying to work out whether he's always been this good or whether it was supporter bias that got in the way of you know rating him as a player. But then I've just come to the conclusion that it's because Chelsea played to his strengths, whereas Arsenal didn't. And you see the way they play into him, and he's got that foil in, in Hazard playing off him as well. And I just think that he hasn't. You know, he, he's not majestic. You look at him and he he doesn't look like a good player. But he does that role so well and so effectively. And you just see the difference now between, you know, people talk about the goals that uh, batchwai has got with Dortmund. Okay, you know, it's, it's great what he's doing. But then you look at what Chelsea need and Batshuayi clearly isn't that player. And you look at Giroud and I think he's showing yeah. what Batshuayi should have been doing. When, 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 when he first came to us and people said, what do you think? I said, well, I've always rated the fact that he comes on with 20 minutes to go and causes chaos in the box. I mean, I've said that all the time. And that I've always, in, in my mind, he's just, you know, a big bloke throws himself around in the box, gets on the end of things, brilliant in the air. But actually, what he's demonstrated, he's got a lot more to his game than that. That he's a much more intelligent footballer than I gave him credit for. And I think that is supporter bias. I think when you watch a player that plays for you, you tend to watch them a little more closely. And and it's it's clear that he's got a really good footballing brain. His layoffs, his touches, his link play, his understanding and awareness of where people are around him is very good. I just don't think he necessarily has maybe the pace or the um, finishing prowess to be the future of what we need up front. No, I think for the 18-month contract Chelsea got him for, is perfect. It's perfect, yeah. Yeah, I think the one thing you would say, and it, it was apparently clear against Swansea, is his strength is back to goal, without a doubt. You know, he holds it up like nobody that we've had. And actually, ironically, if Arsenal had played with him doing that, and holding the ball up and releasing people, I think they would have been a far more successful club. Yeah. But they didn't use him like that. They used him like a battering ram. I, th- I think Conte has worked out very quickly, get it into him, let him hold it up, 
and then let somebody run past him and he'll play them in or whatever. Well, that's the key. Yeah, that is, is exactly. That, that is the key. The running past him, the runners from midfield, that's been an issue all season. Mm. What we found is our, our four players being isolated up front, getting the ball and then not having any options, having to turn into traffic or try and take people on one-on-one. If you look at what City do, if you look at what United do, if you look at what, to a degree, Arsenal do, is they get runners in and around the centre-forward. So they've always got a way to either flick it on or touch and move. And what's your rude? And Morata, to be fair, are very good at is touch and move. Yeah. You know, Morata is good at getting the ball, touching, moving. And we haven't, and, and he hasn't had runners from midfield. So I think whoever comes in, if, if Conte goes, has got to work on uh, a more offensive strategy where we get players yeah. in and around the striker. And I think that there's an interesting difference between the two. I think that actually Morata is better with the ball going forward and and uh, Giroud is better with his back to goal. So they play people in, but in very different ways. I think both of their one-touch games are really good. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is Morata likes to be facing towards the goal. He likes to be running yeah. onto the ball yeah. and then flicking yeah. people in. Yeah. Giroud likes to stand there, have the, the centre-half at his back, hold it up, then wrestle with him, then play somebody off him. And I, I, th- I think it's quite interesting. They're both very different players. Yeah, it's almost that Giroud is drogba light, and Morata is sort of an upgrade on what we wanted Torres to be. Yeah. Uh, but only, only for pure reason being is that I think we signed Morata earlier than we did Torres. And by the time we got Torres, he was a, a beaten old wreck because of what Liverpool did to him. But I think you look at Morata, he was sort, he's the player that Torres should have been. And, you know, um, you were speaking about it last week with Liam and, and Seb and there's a player in there with Morata, you know, and you can see it. And now he's getting his fitness back. He's getting his confidence back. I think next season, you know, all this talk today of, Juventus trying to loan him and Chelsea looking at Cavani I think that's, if Chelsea go down that route it's idiocy and it's stupid because I think that he's had a season to bed in he's, he's had a lot of trouble off the pitch where his best friend died in January he struggled with injuries he's having to adjust to the fact that he can't go down like a whatever potatoes yeah. yeah his wife's having a baby I mean it's yeah, like you know, he's, he's had a tough year and you've got to fit, you know, this guy's 25 years old yeah and also you've got to think next year we've got Europa League we don't have Champions League it allows him yes. a bit more space well yeah okay mm. as you say Brighton it's the, the hope that kills you yeah. it ain't over till it's over well yeah okay <laughs> you even told me to stop dreaming the other Hang week on. when I suggested we it. play Liverpool on Sunday yeah right if we if we if we, we we're, we're currently we're fifth we're five points behind Spurs we're six points behind Liverpool with a game in hand so if we beat Liverpool and then we beat Huddersfield next Wednesday. We are equal on points with Liverpool. Yeah, that's enough hope to the, be holding on. To that's it. what I was going to say. But, but the thing is, Liverpool's last game of the season Brighton is at home, at home against Brighton. Right. And as it stands, they have a plus three hundred and forty six better goal, goal difference than us. Because well, I understand So what we have to this. do is beat <laughs> Liverpool and Huddersfield eight nil. No, well, and then hope. No, I, I understand your point though, because Brighton could get something. You know, and when, when we play Liverpool this weekend, it's at Brighton, right? No, no, it's no, at Anfield. It's Anfield. Anfield. But right, okay. I, I know the point you're making because I was thinking about it myself and I just thought, they've got Roma on Wednesday and if we play high-octane football against them and you know, oh, they're going think- to be emotionally drained, if we can go out there and give them a bit of a whipping... I'm not, I'm not saying we've got to I mean, Chelsea I mean, like to I mean, win games 1-0 they're, they're, I mean I take your point Kerry I mean, I, look, I, I'm, look not, I, hey, I'm not I would love you to be right I'm not getting myself into a situation where I'm kind of clinging on to this but what I'm saying is it is a possibility you're right they still think that they can do th- I mean chances are they're going to beat Roma you know despite conceding two stupid goals they've still got a three goal advantage you know to play Roma and win that you know they're going to want to win the Champions League you know so mm. they're going to want to rest players and I'm not sure that we can write 
Brighton off in that situation. I don't. I it's just so many uncertainties. Yeah, maybe. And I we have had lovely with, moments with Liverpool on the last yeah, day of a season yeah. before. I, now. I think what's interesting as well is that our last game's Newcastle, and who's the Newcastle manager? Rafa. Set, it sets the narrative up perfectly, doesn't it? If we go into that game level points, but it's goal difference. They're already they're already on the beach. But you know, it's St James as well, isn't it? And he'd love nothing more than to Look, deny Chelsea. We've, 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 we've lost, that, we've Chelsea. lost games at the end of the season against Newcastle before. I mean, I, I would say this: that you know that there was there was a situation where you could argue that Chelsea wouldn't have gone, wouldn't have been in business if we hadn't have beaten Liverpool on the last day yeah. of the season to qualify for the Champions League Jesper, Grandpa, Rescu- yeah. uh, Jesper Gronkai you know to, to win that game so look you yeah. know there are so many uncertainties look, I'm right. not writing it off that's all I'm saying uh, no quite right no, I think, I, yeah you're not you're right not to but I just think that you look at it that Chelsea I'm also is, not insane I do think that we'll be in the yeah. Europa League next year but, I just think, but you know, I'm not it, writing it, it off the, the frustrating thing about it not to be too negative is you just look and you think if only they hadn't collapsed against West Ham Oh, there's a lot of if onlys. No, but and I mean, just just a, it's not if even. Only we hadn't lost four no, 0 to Watford. But, but if it, only it, we hadn't been quite. That's, shit that's the a point, though. Time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not, not without you know having this revisionist perspective on the season. But just look what they've done recently, yeah. where Liverpool have been able to go out and play poorly against West Brom and you know below par against Stoke because they know they can. Yeah. And but and that club, out of all the clubs in Britain, they they play on emotion, and they're going to be. It's, it's going to be so you know. Um, Emotion, you know, emotionally driven. That that game at um, the Olympico on on Wednesday. You I know, fancy Roma myself, especially after everything that's happened. You know, with, with the fans being stabbed and, and stuff at Anfield. So if Chelsea can tap into that and get one over them, you're asking questions of them going into the last day of the season, which you know because you'd think we'd beat Huddersfield, who haven't scored in 19 games this season. So you'd think that at least if Chelsea have some, you know, they're part of the conversation on the last day of the season. That's what we can ask for, isn't it? Yeah. If you said to me. You, you're probably not going to catch Liverpool and you'll be in the Europa League, but Liverpool will blow a 3-0 lead against Roma in Rome and get knocked out of the Champions League. I'd probably take that. <laughs> I'd, take, I'd take that just to see the faces yeah, exactly. on the, jur- the faces of journalists and their romanticising of Anfield and the cop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the true great fans as yeah. well. Of, yeah, nah, let's see. We'll see what happens with so that. So it was a significant... Game for both Conte and Fabregas, wasn't it, on Saturday? The 50-50 game. Oh, well put. (laughs) So it was uh, Sesk's 50th Premier League goal, and it was Conte's 50th Premier League win, and he's the third quickest manager to get to that. The only two before him are Guardiola and Mourinho. That was Fabregas' first goal for five months. It was kind of funny because we were talking... Um, about it before the game and um, going, oh, it'd be perfect for him to score. And then they came out with this thing that, oh, it would be his 50th goal. And it was kind of weird. Everyone was pointing it out as, you know, he's been on 49 for five months. Yeah. Nobody's ever mentioned that fact. Oh, he just needs one more. But suddenly everyone mentioned it and he goes and does it. And it was a lovely goal. I think he's the third Spaniard, isn't he, after third. Costa and who else? What? David Silva? No, no, they're all Chelsea no. players, aren't they? Uh, Torres, wasn't it? Torres. Torres, yeah, Torres yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah. right. Sorry, I thought it was a trick question. I was going quiet there. Um, and talking about good signings, I'm quite, Emerson, I'm quietly impressed with Emerson. Emerson, I said it the first moment he came on, he ran onto the pitch, and, and went, then they blew the final whistle. He's a good whistle. looking boy. He looked good in blue. Sometimes players do. He's got. He's got something about him. He looks stylish. I like him. I yeah. think he's. I think he's been very solid. Yeah, I like that run he had in the second half where. <laughs> 
the pointless run. Yeah, yeah, with the wrong foot. But I still thought it was. I don't know. I like seeing fullbacks do that. Ran into they, space. Yeah, but, but it's, it's, not, it's not only that. It's that he, he's clearly got this desire to expose his opposite number, whether that be the right back or the centre back that he's coming up against. And he never looks hurried. Well. He never looks hurried. He never looks uh, flustered. He plays stylishly. He's got a good technique. He seems to be a really good team player. Um, he seems to be able to follow instructions and stick with the system. I mean, there's not a lot about him not to like, really. No. I think he's another good signing. Whether mm. he's is he good enough to be the first choice fullback? I don't think we've seen enough of him yet no. to say that because I think Alonso's got enough credit to to claim that number one spot. It, it's, but it's he offers of, something different, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's kind of interesting that suddenly we've got two fullbacks in that one position that you go, I don't mind who who it is. You know, I, I think what do you buy? What do you buy fullbacks for these days? Do you buy them to defend or to to, to, to attack? Well, I would buy one to defend, uh, but I think everyone buys them to attack. But he does look as though he can defend. I think it depends on um, the system you're playing. I think yeah. Chelsea don't well, buy. Let's just say to we, we play three at the back. So yeah, we play, I don't think you're buying them to defend. No. That's what I'm saying. So this yeah. is my point. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. I think that's why Alonso has been successful because yeah, well, exactly we signed him. People looked at him as a defender and thought, "What are you doing?" And I don't know whether it was by design that they signed him as being this you know, left wing back, but then he worked out pretty quickly that Moses could be this hybrid player on the right because I think it's the same with Alonso. That he's not good enough to be an out-and-out left winger or Moses isn't good enough to be an out-and-out right winger, but he's not good enough to be a defender either, but he fits that, that middle, hybrid role perfectly. Yeah. yeah. So we yeah. should be looking more at a sort of an Ashley Young type character who can cross the ball in than a, you know... Sort of Albert Ferrer. Well, yeah. yeah. You know, that, that type of tra- traditional yeah. left-back, right-back type player. I know he's right-back, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I just think you look at it and... Steve Clark. Yeah. With, with Emerson, you know, coming in and it was almost a blessing, really, with Alonso getting that suspension because he's been given a chance that maybe he wouldn't have got and you start thinking to next season now and suddenly, you know, we've said this point before that I think as a squad, Chelsea have got some substance there. They just need to sprinkle some stardust this summer and suddenly you get two or three marquee signings and this team looks good to go again. And Loftus-Cheek coming back mainly. Is Loftus-Cheek yep. the answer in that midfield? I think possibly. I think he could be. I, look, possibly. I don't know, know. To be fair, okay. He's well, playing then, in the position let's... he's meant to play in and look what he's doing. It's yeah, something that right. I said at the start of the season okay. well, here's and he's been saying for a long time. Okay, we, what, we, what is that position? For, what, for the Bakayoko role? Well, yeah, the Bakayoko role, but not being defensive. You know, so the, the issue that he's had at Chelsea is that He's, he came through as this box-to-box marauding midfielder, you know, under A.D. Vivash and Joe Edwards and Jody Morris. And they brought him up. In the youth team. Yeah, they brought him up. You know, Joe Edwards brought him up since an eight-year-old. And suddenly when he, you know, you, you see the clip of him playing against Schalke and there's this young kid called Leroy Sane next to him and he can't live with him. Mm. And now you look at the difference. But when he got brought into the first team, they suddenly, I don't know, they, they didn't have the confidence to let him play in that position because they were worried about the physicality. So they sort of tried to change the way he played and then, he just didn't fit. And then they played him as a number 10. They played him as a makeshift striker. Give the kid a chance doing what he's meant to do. And Hodgson's had to do that because Palace have got no choice. But then look what you're getting for it. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think R- Ruben has, for me, the most interesting thing about this season was none of us knew whether he could survive a season. As it turns out, he couldn't. He went to Palace, got an injury. And the way it's happened in the past with him with his injuries, you thought that was his season over. But he got back to fitness and he's now been playing for the last three or four weeks for Palace and is playing back again with a certain amount of confidence and style. And I think that's a really interesting thing. I think he's learned something because he's got back fit. 
got back in a side rather than that his season's over and I think mentally that will probably help him with injuries as well because I'm sure as a young kid like him there's got to be an amount of mental pressure when you get these sort of injuries so I think it was absolutely the right thing to do to get him out on loan for a year and I think the injury happening when it did was fantastic in a weird kind of way and I think what we will get is a player who will come back to us next year and will be part of that first There's team squad. There's always been a couple of question marks over Ruben Loftus-Cheek among, amongst those that know that I've spoken to. One is stamina, whether he can do 90 minutes week in, week out. Because he's such a big guy. He's carrying so much timber, you know, timber yeah. with him. You know, I mean, in, you know, muscle, but not, not flat. But uh, pace is another, is another uh, question mark over him. Whether he's, but that, that doesn't seem to be an issue in the position that he's playing. He seems to be able to... To do that, and the other, the other kind of more nebulous one is desire about how much does he really want it? How much does he? How much is he going to really push himself really, really hard to do it at the elite level? I think he's answered some of those questions at Palace. Big I mean, time. the Palace fans I know say he's far too good for them, and you know, so I, I would like for him to come back and be given a chance next to Kante to, to see, see what see what would happen. Yeah, and the fans the only, would love it. I mean, he really is one of our own. He's been there forever. You know, yeah. The, the, only, the only thing that is standing in his way is £55 million of midfielders because you've got Ross Barkley and Bakayoko operating in a similar area, which is, you know, I, I think Barkley, if, he, if we get the Barkley that was at Everton, I think we still benefit. But I just think, do we do that at the cost of Loftus-Cheek? That was why I had reservations about assigning him. But, you know, we all know Barkley when he's fit and he hasn't got his dodgy hamstring, he's a very good player. But I'd rather see... Loftus Sheik given a chance than yeah. a player who's come from outside. I agree, but yeah, the but other thing I is, of course, think... is you've also got three men in midfield in this formation, so it's not a case of you know permanently one from three. I mean, it, you, you could play three there, so you could play Barclay, Kante, and Loftus Cheek. Imagine for that; it'd be similar to Sen Lampard and Maka, wouldn't it? I, d- I just think sort of. But yeah. what I mean, but no, I in, what in what mean. the roles they're meant to be playing <laughs> in the you know, style, in the style, yeah, the power, they, the power if, of that midfield. If if the current manager or the new manager, whoever's going to be there, decides to play three five two like we did on Sunday, that's three midfielders. Yeah. That gives us a lot more scope to um, you know to, to to mix up what we need in there, box to box attacking, shielding. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff going. On. I like three five two. I think three five two is a really good system. We, we said right, it at well, the start well, of the season, well, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Right, we just have to go to an ad break and then we'll come back to talk about the midfield. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. So here we are back again. So I I just want to, again on the Swansea game, um, I actually thought it wasn't a bad performance from Chelsea. I think we've shown yet again that we can't score enough goals. We can't kill teams off. It is the story of this year. Um, but the one person who sort of, you know, has come back in the last couple of games is Bakayoko. What did you think of him, Andy? Uh, listen, I'm pleased that he's not being terrible. I mean, I'm pleased that he's looking like a professional footballer. I'm pleased that he's going out there and, you know, and, and holding his own on the pitch. But ultimately, I'm damning him with faint praise because I just simply don't think he's good enough. Now, it's not about individual player blaming. It's not about, you know, slagging him off. I feel ve- I feel sorry for him. He's a kid. He's a young kid. He's come with a big price tag on him, a lot of expectation on his head. I've said it before. We thought we were signing Yaya Toure. We clearly didn't. Um, he hasn't performed. He hasn't been able to raise his game. I'm not sure he's ready or capable at this level. I really don't see him having a future at the club from what, from what I've seen of him. I just simply don't think he's good enough. But I'm pleased that he's put in performances over the last couple of weeks that have, you know, that have been a good, solid six out of ten. 
Gary, I think, do you think he's not a professional footballer for Chelsea? <laughs> oh, no, I, I think he is. Um, but maybe that's me just trying to be optimistic about it. It's one of those that he's, a, he's on the brink, isn't he, where you think, will he, won't he? You know, in the same way that Salah was at Chelsea and he didn't really do much. And when he left, you're like, okay, you know, not too bothered. And same with De Bruyne. You know, there were players that had done stuff elsewhere, but they came to Chelsea and for whatever reason, they didn't really do much. Bad they, timing. Yeah, probably. Bad timing, but obviously... Played out of position in terms of Salah's. Yeah, but, too young. With, with Bakayoko, obviously, he's had the opportunities those guys didn't get. He's but had I, a lot of games. Yeah, I, I just think that give him no World Cup, give him a pre-season, and I like the fact that Chelsea's pre-season's in Europe this year. You know, they're going to like Romania and places like that, aren't they? They're not going to, you know, the Far East and, and the US. I just think give him that time to bed in, hopefully, under Conte, and you know, a, a summer with him, and I think you, you'll see a different player, but... Do you, do, you know, do you know the word that comes to mind whenever I watch Bakayoko more than anything is timid. I just think he's a timid footballer. And, and for his size and his physicality, he doesn't press. He to doesn't me don't chase. Bakayoko. He doesn't, yeah. He doesn't, he just doesn't use the attributes that he's got. They're good. I mean, I often see him walking on the pitch. I don't see him putting in challenge. He's not good enough. I mean, listen, there's just not an element of his game that I think is at the level that we require at Chelsea Football Club. I'm really, really sorry about that. I wanted it to work. You want him to be, I know what you mean, because he's, he's so passive. You want him to be like Patrick Vieira. You know, he's got the, fra- he's got everything. And you look at it, that's why at the start of the season, I just said... He has never dominated one game, yeah, has he? But, and physically, when you Man see U. him, he, he just reminded no. me of... That he reminded Man, me no, of that, Ma- that Man U game, when that he was his best performance. that was his best game. Because yeah. he played on the front foot. Game. Because yeah. he played yeah. on All the right. front right. foot. Okay, but yeah, fine, fine. I know what Andy means, because you're looking and you're thinking Yaya Torre would boss games where, just by his presence alone, players would play different against Man City. You know, or play against Barcelona, they played different because they knew they couldn't match that physicality. Whereas with Bakayoko, he allows himself to get bullied. Well, look at Matic. I mean, Matic was a physical presence. I mean, Matic, I mean, everybody's, you know, rose-coloured spectacles about Matic now. I always love Matic. I have Matic on the back of my shirt. I mean, I honestly really, really like the guy. Um, but, you know, but we compare him with Matic and Matic, you, you would say, already dominated the midfield, but he had times when he was able to boss it and he bossed that midfield and, you know, was able to be a physical presence in there. You know, they called him the spider in Portugal because he was just able to, you know, to, to just be a Get nuisance. Yeah. I don't ever see Bakayoko being a nuisance. I don't ever no. see him causing problems for the opposition. He puts it, you know, even even his passing looks timid. It looks a little bit inhibited. And Under I just think passes. Yeah, and it, it, it's inhibited. It's worried about making a mistake. Now, I don't think we as fans have helped the situation by the way we've behaved uh, towards him. Listen, you know, I have some sympathy for the frustration, but I don't think you should ever boo a player. You know, and I don't think I've ever been... I don't think I've been more ashamed of our fans and I was at Vicarage Road you know when when they booed him at Watford you know and I just thought that was completely unnecessary I know it was only a minority but that minority should be ashamed of themselves I've said that before um but but ultimately I I really wanted him to work will I give him another season I guess I guess but you asked me a direct question about Bakayoko I don't think he's good enough no okay that's fair enough just Uh, just sorry just on that note this the frustrating thing about it is because they've paid 40 million for him is that they've got to condone that forty million now, which means he will get another season to justify it. Yeah. yeah, or they sell him back to Monaco. Yeah, which isn't going to happen, I don't think. Why but, not? Well, I just don't think they Monaco are going to pay forty million for him, right? Because yeah. Chelsea don't want to lose that money, so they want to save face. So yeah. it's almost a case of but if when they did that would be the perfect <coughs> scenario, wouldn't it? We just give him back, yeah, yeah, give him want, back, just, just get our money back. Yeah, yeah. He, they liked him there. He works in that league. That's well, the perfect. The only, the, only like, way it, the only way it will happen with Monaco is if they find someone to swap him for. But it's, it's They're never going to pay the money back. It's like Torres, when, when Torres signed for Chelsea, it, it was a, a problem that 
Ancelotti took on because the club wanted to make this marquee signing. Then AVB inherited it. You know, then Di Matteo inherits it. Then Benitez inherits it. Then Jose inherits it. And and he was being forced to play. They, you know, managers couldn't not pick him because he was the fifty million pound record signing. And Bakayoko is going to get those opportunities because they paid forty million for him. But then you look and you think, well. What does that mean for Loftus-Cheek then? What does it mean for these other kids? Chelsea have just won a fifth FA Youth Cup in a row and the problem they've got on not bringing players through is because players they sign get the opportunities those kids don't get. Where's Danny Drinkwater? Oh, Danny Drinkwater there as well. Yeah, he's been, he? been, well, been injured I presume he's injured because he wasn't he injured? on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. Not that he hasn't fallen out and therefore he's... No, no, no. And this is the thing. is like the the narrative that's getting pushed in the media is that he's upset and you know, David Luiz is falling out of the manager. No, David Luiz is injured as well. There's not issues with those players and the manager. And I know for a fact that... Danny Drinkwater's frustrated about his debut season at Chelsea because he's been injured the whole time. Yeah. He hasn't been fit, and yeah. you've seen that. So anyway, you know, I mean, it, it's been a, a frustrating season what in a lot of ways. Back, yeah, okay. What do I think? I think he's not the finished article, but I think I said it to you before the season that he was the one player I didn't like the look of in the Monaco team. I thought he was the one who didn't quite have a defined role and didn't do it very well. So I'm kind of, um, I think, for, yeah. I think you have to give him another season because if you sell him now, you're going to lose 30-odd million. Uh, I think you're right. I think he's no longer a £42 million player. I think he's probably a £12 million player. So, you know, it's it's kind of one of those. I think you have to have him. Maybe he'll come good. Maybe he'll have a fantastic second season. I don't know. But I just don't think, unless we can find a really good swap deal... Here's the test, right? If he was playing for Watford or West Brom in that position and we looked at him, would we turn around and go, that's a decent player? No. Or would we turn around and go, he's a bit, he's not very good, is he? No. And, you know, I and I think if he was playing for one of those teams, you'd look at him and go, he's not very good. Problem is with him, is I think he's a well, player... Well, you target him. Yeah, but he's a player that needs to play with better players, whereas you put him in that team, and what's required of him in those Watford teams well, that's, or that's West Broms... That's also damning him as well, yeah. isn't it? But that's what I'm saying, you know... He needs to be supplemented. Maybe, maybe it's an intelligence thing. He, he's, you know, he's got this physicality and this footballing ability, but he doesn't know how to apply it in England. Yeah, there's an element of that thing. You know. But, okay, well, look, let, let's move on from Swansea because there's a couple of other things we should talk about. Uh, one is, have you completed your survey yet, Andy? Uh, I have, actually, yes. <coughs> this is the Chelsea Supporters Trust yep, survey. Yeah, the annual yes. survey. Yep. Um, well, have you done it yet, Gary? No. Oh. God. Are you a member of the Chelsea Supporters Trust? I am. I've, I've had the emails where I've been too busy right. sending emails to Kerry about what he needs to do. Because <laughs> you're his boss. And, and one of them was, Kerry, do this uh, survey for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and bring me a peppermint tea. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not even... Bring I'm me some going, suppositories. I'm going to be way more professional and I'm not going to say anything about what I've said back. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, the Chelsea Supporters Trust annual survey. Um, <clears throat> if everyone could... Uh, perhaps go on there and take part in it it's at the it's on www.surveymonkey.co.uk um forward slash r forward slash. you're never going to read all of this but go on to the chelsea supporters trust and they'll give you a link through to survey monkey who are so the, the chelsea survey. supporters trust website yeah the, just uh, google it let's google it yeah because yeah. that no one will listen to mm. um but yeah it's well worth doing and helps them work out what's going on so, uh, so yeah, so moving on, um, 
good news, bad news on the other teams? Do well, the good news, the obviously, yeah. The uh, under-18s with their fifth FA Youth Cup win in a row last night. 7-1 aggregate win over Arsenal, which uh, makes them equal with the famous uh, Busby Babes, the Manchester United Busby Babes, uh, uh, who held that record for over 50 years, 1957. So an amazing achievement by Jody Morris, who very much is one of our own uh, and is the manager of the under-18s. And all credit to him and the boys. Yeah, no, brilliant achievement. And any time you rattle seven past Arsenal, it's got to be. It's, good, it's, it's it? great the way Chelsea have gone about this run of you know back to back victories as well. Because in, in a time of you know money, and Chelsea get told that oh you're only doing stuff because of the money you're spending and everything else. That the last four successes, I think it was eighty five actually won it first. You know to start this run off after they lost in twenty twelve against Norwich. Um, it's Chelsea coaches, coaches that have been bought through, you know, at the mm-hmm. club that Joe, Joe Edwards did it for two years. And he's a guy that that team that was, he was winning it with, with, you know, um, Ruben and, you know, other, other players and Tammy and Dom Solanke. They were kids he bought through. I, I spoke to him about it and he said, yeah, it's like it's surreal because I remember my first day as a coach at Chelsea and I had these kids with me and it was Dom and Tammy and Ruben and, you know, those players. And he brought them through the levels and that's a proper youth team success. You know, that's, a massive, you know, advert for what the academy does, and then Jody Morris is doing it. A guy who, ten years before, fifteen years before Joe Edwards is even around, that he was coming through in the academy before it was what it is now. So it's just great that they're proper Chelsea players and it's proper. Yeah, and it's great Chelsea for Jody as well because Jody. I mean, I think probably by his, even by his own admission, has had his issues and challenges in life, and you know, path has never always been smooth for him. So he seems to have come out the other side and become a really professional and um, and and you know, I would I would imagine very sought after. Uh, young youth managers now so that's good and I think also as well with our academy look at the managers that we produce you know Brendan Rodgers came through there Paul Clement came through there you know we're, we're producing you know really good management material as coaches. well yeah, coaches yeah coaches you know, so. you know you look across the board and um, you know there's a guy called Michael Bill who's at Liverpool now and he, he's like really well thought of in the academy structures across England and across Europe you know, there's so that's the point about the Chelsea Academy is that I guess probably the coaches are being more successful than the players at the moment but they're producing so much players and coaches well one player that had a really good game last night was um, Callum Hudson-Odoi you know who's, who's another one I think that you know he's, we've seen him in, in fits and starts this season we've seen him on the bench but he was head and shoulders above everybody else yesterday but he's interesting isn't he because actually a lot of people will only have learnt about him through this season. And we heard about him quite some months ago um, and people said, oh, he's pretty good. He's consistently kept it going the whole year. Wherever he's appeared, even when he's appeared for the first team, he's had little flashes, little moments, you go, oh, I like the look of him. And he goes back to the youth set up and he keeps on scoring, he keeps on working at it. And I think it's a really interesting time for some of these youngsters. Yeah. George think- McEachran, he's another one. Josh's yeah. brother, he's another yeah. really good player. You know? yeah. Just on Hudson-Odoi, watching, I didn't watch the game, I watched the highlights, but it just reminded me of when this cycle started properly for the Chelsea Academy, it was 2008, when um, we had a lot of players that didn't go anywhere at Chelsea, you know, like Reese Taylor in goal and Nana Afusu Tamori was the captain and Paul Clement was the coach. And that was the first Youth Cup final Chelsea got to for like about 45 years when it was Chopper's reign. You know, this is 2008. And that final, we lost to Man City. And that Man City team had Ben Mee, uh, Kieran Trippier, but it was one player on that pitch where you just saw him and you just thought, he's going to do it. And it was Daniel Sturridge. Yeah. And I saw Hudson-Odoi last night. I just thought, yeah, 
out of anyone on this pitch, if anyone does anything, it's going to be you. Yeah, because he looks incredible. Well, I hope you haven't cursed him with injuries now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, probably. The, sli- the slightly sad news was the Chelsea ladies who were beaten by Wolfsburg 2-0 uh, yesterday in the second leg of their uh, Champions League semi-final. That was a 5-1 aggregate loss for Emma and the girls. So that's a shame. But, you know, credit for them for, for the work they're doing over there. Um, and, you know, better luck next season. Yeah, exactly. So I suppose that that takes us on to the last thing to just discuss quickly is now don't we have a, a little matter of a home game coming up at the weekend against hmm Liverpool that's going to be interesting isn't it after yeah. after they've been smashed by Roma in midweek yeah and, and they've lost their assistant manager yeah and they've lost their so Klopp yeah, hasn't got his mind next to him Exactly. You know, I, it's interesting. You know, there's it's something a, about it, Chelsea. It's Liverpool. a cliche. We d- it depends what Liverpool turns up. Yeah. You know, in terms of personnel, you know, because I think obviously they've got one mind, uh, one eye on, on that, um, you know, that game in mind. Um, you know, and, and we know that they're, they can be fragile at the back. We know they're devastating coming forward. There's no argument that, you know, Mohamed Salah has been, you know, the best player of the season, possibly one of the best players in the world this season, you know, and, you know, he's a threat. Mane's a threat. You know, uh, Firmino's been an incredibly underrated presence up front. I mean, they're amazing going forward. I still think they're suspects at the back. You know, they've got young fullbacks, you know, the, who, who, you know, who can be got at. I don't think they've got a great goalkeeper. If you play Liverpool on the front foot, you've got to be careful that you don't leave yourself open at the back. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's complicated. It's a really difficult one to call. I think that we will be sufficiently up for it. I think their minds will be sufficiently elsewhere that we can get a result out of that game. The, the interesting thing with it is just whether they, um, whether the emotion of Wednesday does get to them, and I said it earlier, but you know, Chelsea have got a week to prepare for this game. Liverpool have got a bigger fish to fry than Chelsea right now, you know, which I guess is damning Chelsea by saying that. We've got, we got Huddersfield next yeah. Wednesday. But you, you look in, you, you think, you, you throw back to last season when Chelsea had these week, a week to prepare for the big games and you saw a difference. Mm. So I'd like to think that's going to happen, but then this times this season when that's happened, we haven't seen the same result, but I'd like to think that we're going to win. Yeah, I do. Okay, I I think we will win. I think we will take them on. I think we're in that lovely moment of a season where we're going, ah, we can just play a little bit. We can just do things. We'll have a nice time and we'll win. So, yeah, predictions. Gary? In line of our need for goal difference, Chelsea 5, Liverpool (laughs) 0. Well, in line with (laughs) our... only. You know, remember when we turned over United 5-0 and Poirier got that header and Taibbi came out and... Jody Morris scored in that game. Yeah, he did. And he did his trumpet celebration. Chris Sutton got his one and only Premier League goal for Chelsea. So hopefully something happens like that on Sunday. What Chris Sutton scores. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go for... uh, I'm going to go for 3-2 Chelsea. Interesting. That sounds no, like nail biting. Oh, we're, nothing's nice about Liverpool games. Look, I, I think that you know we're going to they're going to shock us and actually take some chances uh, on Sunday. So I think a comfortable two 0 win. Ah, oh, lovely. Well, I'm quite happy with all of those. Any of those come in, I'm happy. All right. Well, uh, thanks very much for listening. We will be back next week when we will be. Getting close to Champions League security. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Looking forward to our game in hand. Exactly. And uh, yeah, good to see you, Andy, who's out the door already. And see you soon, Gary. Au revoir. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.com.
Net. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft or IBM and others, and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. Sports Social Podcast Network.